Hi, I'm your host, Brittany Spence, and this is In the Face of Illness. We are a podcast committed to cultivating a greater understanding of the many resources available for families facing childhood illness, because we believe this is a vital topic of conversation, not only for families in the throes of the fight, but for everyone. Ultimately, we are here to offer hope in the face of illness. Blake and Leanna both grew up in Memphis, Tennessee, where they attended the same high school and college, but didn't start dating until a few years after college. In 2007, they were married, and in 2010, they suffered a miscarriage. After suffering a miscarriage in 2010 that was devastating to them both, they got pregnant again in 2011. Shortly after, they moved to Toronto, Canada. A few months after moving, their sweet Gracie Jane was born healthy on August 16, 2012. A few days later, their world was turned upside down when they received the news that Gracie had epidermolysis bullosa, a rare skin disease that not only affected her skin, but also her interior linings. After a long fight, Gracie Jane went to heaven a few weeks shy of her first birthday. We hope you take a listen to hear their journey with Gracie Jane, IVF treatments, and adoption. Their family of four now lives in the London, United Kingdom. I am thrilled to have Leanna Liddell on with us today. I've known Leanna a long time. Um, Her and her husband, Blake, I've known for many, many, many years. And so it's a joy to have her on today for her to tell us their story and Gracie's story. And um, Leanna came a long ways just to record. They are living in London and um, are home for a couple weeks. And so we're excited to have her here in the studio recording with us. So, uh, well, thank you. I'm excited to be here. Um, so let's just start out talking about kind of y'all's story and, um, let's just start out with you finding out you're pregnant with Gracie and, um, and kind of just lead me through that. Okay. Um, so Blake and I had been married a few years before we decided that we wanted to try to have children and we got pregnant very quickly. Um, and we went about, um, we did the first ultrasound at eight weeks. Everything was good. I took a little trip actually to Nashville to go help some friends, uh, decorate their house. And, um, I miscarried, but I didn't know. I, I went back to Florida, saw the doctor. He didn't do another ultrasound or anything, but he said everything was fine, no big deal. And then we went back um, probably about 12 weeks maybe, and he um, they couldn't find a heartbeat. Okay. So at that point, um, I went and saw another doctor because I was a little upset of how it all happened. Mm-hmm. But it took several months. We ended up having to do a couple of different procedures mm-hmm. to get rid of the entire pregnancy. And so it was almost like nine months by the time my body was ready to, like, even try to get pregnant again. So um, it was, you know, kind of a mm-hmm. tumultuous road that we went through. But um, we ended up trying again and getting pregnant right away. It was super easy. And so the doctor monitored me very closely and it was like just an easy pregnancy. I mean, I had the typical morning sickness and that Mm -hmm. sort of thing, but totally easy pregnancy. Um, Blake ended up finding, getting a job promotion and um, it was to move to Toronto, Canada. So we decided, hey, this is a great time to do it. I'll be 
gosh, I think it was like seven months pregnant then when we actually moved. Um, but it was giving us the opportunity for me to not have to work, mm-hmm. stay home, be a stay-at-home mom and everything. So we got there, um, immediately found a doctor, and everything was smooth sailing. Went in for an ultrasound or a check, and he was like, I think um, – you know, the baby's breech. So let's do an extra ultrasound. And sure enough, she was breech. And so they, I walked back over to the doctor's office and they said, how do you feel about having a baby tomorrow? Tomorrow? (laughs) Yes. Okay. So they scheduled me because I was so small, Mm -hmm. but the baby was measuring good and everything like that. So. And how far along were you right then? Oh gosh. Um, It was full term. Like, Two weeks early, maybe. Oh, yeah. okay. Like, it was, you know, it okay. wasn't like... 37, 38 yeah, weeks, somewhere in there. totally. Okay. okay. Um, again, like, all yes. of these, like, numbers and dates are yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all a blur at this uh-huh. point. That's considered, um, yeah, full term is considered, yes. 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 Okay. So the doctor had no concerns. Yeah, okay. Um, but but he, surprising that you're like, I'm having a baby tomorrow. Yes, like, yeah. literally, how does tomorrow work? And Blake <laughs> and I looked at each other and we're like, okay. Yeah. So we show up at the hospital the next morning. They, you know... Prep me, go in, do a C-section, and she was born five pounds, seven ounces, beautiful little baby girl. Everything was completely normal. Um, you know, Blake slept in a upright chair, just like most first-time mm-hmm. dads do, and um, we were in the hospital for two days and got released and went home. Um, I will say the one thing that was, like, right off the bat was I was putting a dry diaper on her before we loaded her up into the car seat and she had a little blister like right in her groin area mm-hmm. so I called the nurse in because they had already like discharged us and everything I called the nurse and I was like you know there's this little blister right here it's just seems a little strange to me and she said oh it's just it's baby skin you know they get irritated sometimes it's no big deal and us on, on our way so yeah. sure enough we get home um you know exhausted and tired and everything that you are with a new baby and um she was born on a Thursday so we weren't scheduled to go see and it's not a pediatrician because in Canada you just see a primary care physician okay they unless you're sick does your child see an actual pediatrician okay so we were scheduled to go on Monday I believe it was and our primary care physician was on vacation that week so we saw somebody else in the clinic at this point that little blister had gotten bigger okay so we showed it to them and they were like it's it's no big deal I think they swabbed it that day because it it burst while we were in there Mm. um they swabbed it nothing came back everything was normal and then um by and no other blisters yet. Just no the other one. blisters yet. Okay. Just right there in okay. her little, like right where the diaper rubs, yeah. kind of. Okay. Um, so, throughout the week, though, um, oh, you know, it's it's funny because I remember this picture now. My sister being like, "What's on her? What's on her elbow in that picture?" And she had a bandaid on her elbow mm-hmm. because there was a little piece of raw skin on her elbow. I think at the hospital that somebody threw a bandaid on it. Mm. And I just never, like, even thought to take it off or anything like that. Um, And so by Friday, more blisters were showing up. She had one, like, just above her ear that I think was from where her little hat was that, Mm -hmm. you know, I was keeping her in a little hat. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we went back to the doctor again. This time we saw the pediatrician in the clinic because our doctor was still gone. Mm -hmm. Um, And he 
came in and he said, you know, blisters on anybody are not normal. It, they're not good. Um, and I don't really know what this is. You know, they swapped the last thing. Nothing came back. So I think you should go across the street to the hospital. The pediatrician that's on call over there is a really good diagnostic pediatrician. Mm-hmm. So we get over there um, and we wait just a little bit. The nurse that actually was our nurse when she was born, like passed by and she was like, oh, I'm so glad to see you and everything. Um, so this doctor walks in finally after being there for several my mom had just flown in that day, too, finally. Um, and the doctor walks in, and he, he knew what it was. Right away. Right away. He had another child that had the same disease. Mm. He was like, I'm pretty sure that it's EB, epidermolosis bullos, but I'm not positive. But I'm pretty sure that this is what it is. Mm-hmm. So, of course, Blake goes down the rabbit hole of Googling everything. Mm-hmm. I don't because I'm like, I'm just taking care of my baby because there was nothing wrong with her. She mm-hmm. wasn't unhealthy. She was gaining weight just fine. Like everything was completely fine with her, except she had these blisters on mm-hmm. her. So he then decides that we need to be rushed to the children's hospital in downtown Toronto. So they put an IV in her. They, you know, because she's so small, they, you know, wrap her up onto a board put her her and I in an ambulance and send us to the sick kids hospital it's called the sick kids hospital mm. which is a terrible name for terrible a children's name. hospital oh, um but send us down there Blake follows behind in the car um and, and your mom's here right now too my mom had just gotten to town I think she went back to the house okay. um to wait and so we get there and by the time we get there it's like 10 o'clock on a Friday night well mm. all of the doctors are gone for the weekend, mm-hmm. right? It's all of the, yeah, <laughs> the yeah. other ones that come in for the weekend that cover the shifts. Yeah. So they immediately put her in an incubator because they don't know what she has. Is it contagious? Oh, Is it wow. okay. viral? Is it all of these things? So they okay. immediately put her in, like, you know, strip her yeah. down just to a diaper, put her in an incubator, which is the worst thing that you can do for the disease, come to find out, because heat exasperates it. Um, so sure enough, Monday morning, the, um, head dermatologist comes in who specializes in this disease. Wow. There's only like five in the entire world. Wow. So again, this is, we always say the reason why we went to Canada yeah. and to Toronto was because of this doctor. Yeah. Um, so she walked in and she immediately was like, yes, this is what she has. Um, so they did. They immediately did a skin biopsy because there's different types of the disease. There's three different forms, and within each type, there's subtypes as well, Mm -hmm. too. So they needed to figure out what kind that she had. Um, So they did a skin biopsy. They also did genetic testing on her and I and Blake, um, which obviously that took months to get back. Mm -hmm. Um, But she was then diagnosed with junctional um, EB, which not only affects the skin, the outer linings, it affects the internal mm-hmm. linings as well, too. So at that point, it was kind so of like... So of the three subtypes or, or levels, hers was the worst. The worst. Yeah. The worst. Okay. Yes. So um, wow. she did a clinic, though, every week for EB. Wow. Um, so this they, dermatologist. This dermatologist did. Because there were that many in Toronto area or families would fly in to see I, her? I think 
I think a little bit of both. Okay. I think a little bit of both. Okay. Um, but she, um, she had a one specific nurse that you know that before we got. So we, I think we ended up spending like probably a week in the hospital. And um, on that Monday when she came in mm-hmm. after being in the incubator, had that exasperated everywhere. Wow. I mean, there were like blisters popping up everywhere from head to toe everywhere. <sighs> Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. So they they still thought that she's still healthy. She's feeding fine. You you can take her home. You don't have to stay here in the hospital. Mm-hmm. But the nurse sat there and did like a whole workshop with me on how to lance the blisters. So wow. with EB, I don't know if you want me to explain this yeah, or not. Yeah, but EB, do. you're basically missing the protein that holds the layers of your skin together. So the way they describe it, it's like Velcro, like those little like finger-like mm-hmm. things that hold Velcro together. She's missing those. So with any kind of rubbing, friction, clothes, picking up, you know, typically you grab a child by their ankles to mm-hmm. pull them up to put the diaper underneath them. Any kind of touch basically will move her skin and a mm-hmm. blister forms. Mm-hmm. Um and does it get worse with time? Like, why did that not show? Like, why did it only show in one place right. in those first two weeks or week and a half? Well, typically, when the when children with EB are born and they come through the vaginal canal, their skin literally sloughs off because of the pressure coming through. So she, again, was breech. Wow. And Season. was, like, gently lifted out of my belly, right? Wow. So. Okay. Ag- you know, I think that she was breached for a reason yeah. because she knew, like, this is the way I'm going to get out of there and I'm yeah. going to be healthy and that sort of thing. So at the beginning, it was just the diaper mm. right there that was rubbing. And because when they're when they're little, they don't move as much. Yeah. The older they get, the more they're wiggling, the more they're rubbing. Right. Okay. Um, but you have to thing. think even those first two days in the hospital, I just think about how much those nurses. Oh, yeah. Like, they're I mean, like I've got manhandling them. Of, you know like, what I mean? The nurse, like, yeah. holding her by, like, the head right here yeah. between the ears. And, just, and like, none of that really did in the it beginning. It didn't. Okay. For whatever reason, it didn't. Okay. But, you know, it doesn't, like, instantly happen. Either. Like, the blister doesn't instantly okay. show up. So it could have, yeah. you know, seven days later. When you see all the, okay, got it. Could it. Like, I don't know the exact moment of, like, when she rubbed herself. Did it happen right then or did it happen seven days ago that yeah. it's just now, like, the fluid is filling up in there. Got it. Okay. Um, so, so, so she teaches you everything teach on what it. to so do. So basically, when you see, the moment you see a blister, you have to lance it. You wow. have to basically pop it with a sterile needle okay. and squeeze all the fluid out. Um, and they always looked and really yellow. And then wrap yellow. it too? Or? Yes. So okay. they have all of these like special bandages and almost like a Band-Aid. Okay. Um, that and an ointment doesn't too? stick. No, okay. there's no like no ointment. Okay. No, you don't really because they're not. They don't really. At that point, they weren't getting infected, so okay. we weren't using anything like okay. that. But okay, um, so Lanson put on these bandages. Yes, that are specially. Yeah, like and they, there's even a name for it, and it, it called like the butterfly. Have I heard that before? It's called it's called the butterfly disease yeah, because okay. their skin is like as sensitive as a butterfly's wings. Wow. Okay. Yes. I knew. I thought I'd heard that at some point. Yeah. So like their their symbol for 
all of the fundraising and everything like that is a butterfly. butterfly. Plus, if you put EB together in cursive letters, it makes that. It makes that butterfly. Okay. Too. Okay. Um, so, so you go home. Mm-hmm. You and Blake now know how to do this. Yes. And but she's still doing everything as a normal baby would do: totally. eating, sleeping, sleeping, doing all that stuff. All of that stuff. Okay. So it was more of just you know. You couldn't give her a bath like normal, ba- like you had to put, um, which this sounds terrible, but bleach in the bath to help cleanse the wounds. Okay. Um, and it was a, a couple months in, you could tell that she was getting uncomfortable because she was having so many more blisters. You know, okay. it wasn't just one or two here, but, you know, being in that incubator really like exasperated everything. So she had them from head to toe basically Mm. um she also started losing her fingernails too Mm. um so her like fingertips were raw all the Uh time um but yeah we just we did everything normal and so we would go once a week we would drive into the city once a week and do a clinic and they would you know check her out make sure nothing was infected um in Canada, you know, they have like a national health care system. Yeah. So we were able to get um, a nurse that came to the house once a week, too. She didn't, she wasn't like schooled specifically on EB. Like this was her first child ever that had it, but she was a home nurse that would come in every week. And she was the one that actually ordered the supplies for me. So, again, another reason of being mm-hmm. there because. All of this, I mean, the supplies are like so, so expensive. Even yeah. if you have really good health insurance, typically they don't cover it here in the United States. Wow. Um, so it was all covered. Um, you know, they would just ship it to the house and I'd have everything, even like the baby formula, because they kind of like, um, I, I actually, I, well, I breastfed her for a few months, but then she started getting blisters in her mouth. Mm. So we used a special bottle that like okay. helped alleviate that. Okay. Um, but so we would kind of like boost up the formula um, or the breast milk with some formula too to give her some extra calories because okay. she was burning so many calories mm. trying to repair her own skin. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, daily life was completely normal. I would still put her in the car seat mm-hmm. and take her to the store with me or go on walks if it wasn't, you know. And did you have, I mean, special diapers, special clothing? Okay. So with the diapers, what we started doing was I would cut my mom and I sat there. I mean, I don't know how many pairs of scissors we had, but we cut the, that inner lining uh-huh. that like keeps everything contained in yeah. there, but you just cut all of that out. So every day, like when she was napping or doing something, like I would sit there and cut that little strip out of every single diaper. Because um, that was an irritation to her. Because that was irritation to her. Okay. Just the diaper in general was totally fine. Okay. Um, and then with clothing, my mom, who's a seamstress and yeah. like sewed all of our clothes growing up, decided to make clothes and she would sew them. She'd get really soft cotton and she'd sew it with the seam on the outside mm. instead of the inside because so it was it just rub. that little tiny seam that... Yeah typically doesn't hurt anybody would rub her yeah so yeah so she had all these custom little shirts and pants and stuff or dresses kind of that my mom made her with the seams on the outside wow and okay so now you're kind of moving along Mm -hmm. obviously seeing more and more blisters and as you said she's getting more active active, which for an EB makes it more often difficult because that Yes. Kind of makes it show even more. Yes. So, so then kind of lead me down that road. Like, do y'all start to see 
other signs? Is the doctor kind of preparing you of this is what to expect? What's next steps? Yeah. Kind of lead me through that part. So with her type, with the junctional type, the life expectancy is 9 to 12 months. Um, and y'all knew that from the get-go, wow. as soon as we found out that she had junctional. Wow. Um, so um, the doctor, and I wish I could think of her name right now. I should know this. <laughs> um, she had been working with two doctors in Minnesota, the Children's Hospital in Minneapolis. And um, they had been doing bone marrow transplants for rare diseases. Um, and they were specifically doing it for EB as well. Um, so she basically, you know, because... At this point, we knew that she was going to die. Mm-hmm. There was there was nothing that was going to save her, um, but it was more of like what what can we do to help her mm-hmm. if there's a chance. Um, they had seen good success with the other types of EB, okay. um, but I think there were four maybe before her with the junctional type that all had passed okay. away too. Um, Even after getting a bone marrow transplant, after the bone marrow okay. transplant, but. We thought, I mean, as a parent, right, you have to do uh-huh. everything that you possibly can Absolutely. to do yeah. to, to help your child. Yeah. And if we're not only helping her, we're helping other children yeah. in the future. Um, so she had been working with them. There was also, I think there was a hospital in Cincinnati that also had like a EB program. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I spoke with them as I well, I know too. about that. That's the one I've actually um, and, had a family from. But it it wasn't like bone marrow transplant or yeah. anything. It was more of just like an all-around yeah. clinic yep. type thing. Yeah. Um, so we, I think actually, once we spoke to the team in Minneapolis, they they paid for everything for us to get there. Wow. To come and talk to them, evaluate Gracie, um, you know, the doctor. And how old is she now, you think? Um, this was probably like three months, two or three months. I mean, it was it was like right Early. away that okay. they were like, if you if you want to do something, this is what Okay. What you should do. Yeah. Um, so we immediately um, you know, they were like, if, if you want to do this, we're happy to have you mm-hmm. come here and do this with us. So um, my sister here in Memphis um, did a whole bone marrow drive, not only like looking for a match for, for Gracie, but just to help in general. She got really involved in that. And I think that's mm-hmm. how she got really involved with the Forest Fence yeah. Fund, too. Yeah. Um, but so we I think it was Thanksgiving. So that was November and she was born August 16th. So um yeah. September, October, November. So three months, they finally found it. It was like Thanksgiving. We flew here to Memphis to to see family, and because we already knew we were going there, it was just a matter of time when they could find the match. Um, so I believe that that's when they actually found the match. Um, it wasn't a perfect match, as perfect as they wanted it to be, um, but it. They said that it was definitely like right on track Mm -hmm. um so then we had to go through other steps she had to get a g-tube um not again she was gaining weight she was feeding totally normally um but it was more for the process of the bone marrow transplant because they do do radiation on them um you know just all of the yeah drugs and everything that they have to give them um just takes a toll on their on them that 
they said, you know, you need to have a G-tube done so that she can keep up her um, feedings and everything, her nutrition. Um, So we ended up not coming to Memphis for Christmas that year because we got the G-tube scheduled. Um, And then it was um, February where we drove from Toronto. And tell me about that even, like... Is that a, a fear of that, the wound? I mean, because it is a wound, like, yes. that it won't heal? Yes. And and how did they, and did it, how did that go? Is there special treatment that has to be done? Well, it, it was just more all about the bandages. Okay. Um, okay. Having a bandage, because typically, like, once they do put the G-tube in, you know, the skin kind of, gr- it's it's almost like an earring yeah. hole type yeah. of a yeah. Situation yep. um, where hers was always kind of raw and yeah. red and that sort of thing. But again, we were still going to the clinic, um, okay. the EB clinic there in Toronto. And they, they were helping you. They with were that. helping yeah. it. Okay. They were checking on us when we were there in the hospital to have the placement done okay. and everything like that. So okay. they were really like on top of it, watching it. The yeah. nurse that came to the house every week was watching it okay. and that sort of thing. And still, I, I mean, just what a gift that this doctor. This is like what yes. she specialized yes. in. Yes, totally. It is unreal because most, like you said, I mean, there's only like five in the world. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so. So February you go. We drove from Toronto to Minneapolis. Okay. Um, and check in. And I, I believe she had her dose of radiation on Valentine's Day. Okay. February 14th. Um, and then it was a week later when they actually did the transplant, which you is think of. your the, birthday? Did you have the transplant on your birthday? I don't. It wasn't my birthday. It was but really like close. it was really close though. Okay. Really close because okay. there were balloons in the room for me. Okay. Oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> um. But yeah. So you know, you think of this like transplant as being like this big procedure mm-hmm. or something like that, and they literally come in and they hang this teeny tiny little bag up because once we got there too, that was the other thing. They put a port into her. Okay. Um. So that they could do all of the right. Um, IVs and everything that way. Without so that, sticking her without again Without sticking and again. her okay. and everything. So that was like another little procedure that she had as soon as we got there. Okay. Um, but again, they are all like versed on EB. The two head doctor, Dr. Tolar is the one that's like the head doctor there that is all about curing EB. Okay. Um, but he, um, you know, we were in the... On the bone marrow transplant floor, so we kind of you kind of get to pick out your nurses mm-hmm. and everything like that. Um, but we, we were there other EB there. kids there? Not not at not that then. time. Okay, not then. Okay. She was the only one. Yes. Okay. Yes. So, uh, and was this a cancer hospital too, or just a hospital that also did? No, it's yeah, it's just okay. a children's hospital. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. But they there was a bone marrow transplant yep. floor. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So she gets the the transplant somewhere around. February 21st, your yeah. birthday, somewhere around yeah. there. Okay. And then how long are y'all there? What kind of, how did Gosh. that go? Um, we were there until, what's the month before August? <laughs> oh, you were there till July? July. July, yes. You stayed in Minneapolis? Yes. So ba- Blake um, basically traveled back and forth between Canada and Minneapolis. I lived in the hospital with Gracie. Um, On the bone marrow transplant floor, you do get a sofa that turns into a bed rather than just a chair. Um, The rooms are really (laughs) quite high tech. Mm. Um, But yeah, because he, you know, we had just gotten to to Canada and that was his job was to travel all over Canada. So um, 
my mom spent most of the time there with me and Blake would come in for weekends okay. whenever he could. But yeah, we were there. Um, and did you know that going in, like it's a, it's like a six month. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, because once you actually get discharged, you have to stay nearby okay. to do, um, I think at first we went every day for clinic. Um, and then as that kind of as, as she's doing okay, then you go just like maybe three times a week or two times a week. But anytime like a fever spikes or any of these little things, then you, you immediately get admitted right back onto the floor again. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So. Wow. Okay. So you're living full time in Minneapolis. Blake yes. is literally flying, flying back, back and, and forth, forth to all over yes. Canada. Yeah. And, and how is she doing? How is, I mean, is it... She was good. Like, she was good. Like, okay. everybody thought that, hey, this is really kind of working. Okay. Um, you know, it seems like the blisters weren't as bad or okay. that sort of thing. Um, again, they would come in and they would do, like, tests on her skin. Like, they would take this little sucker thing and, like, sit there and push it up and down on her skin okay. and count how many times until the blister formed. Oh, wow. Okay. So they would try to form a blister in a way. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, but I think it was, you know, it was more of just a maintenance, mm -hmm. making sure that she didn't have infection, that sort of thing. Um, and we did, we, I think it was day like, I wish I knew, like I, I have like, I have a calendar somewhere mm -hmm. where I, like all of this is written down. Mm -hmm. Um, but we did get released. So we, at, when we first got there, we, we stayed at the Ronald McDonald house. Okay. So whoever wasn't spending the night in the hospital stayed at the Ronald McDonald house or when family would come in um, because, you know, it was like a little apartment mm -hmm. that there was kitchen and a little sofa. And then the other room had literally four like king size beds in it. Okay. So like, wow. you can, everybody could just go yeah. in there and sleep, you yeah. know, but then we knew we were going to be there for a while. So we ended up getting a, um, like a, what do I want to call it? A corporate housing okay. apartment um, that had two separate bedrooms so that that way, like if Blake was in town and my mom was in town, he didn't have to sleep in the same <laughs> yeah. room with her, yeah. you know? <laughs> I mean, Night mother-in-law, yeah, king exactly. bed next to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See you in the morning. Uh -huh. um, so it kind of made life just a little bit more okay. comfortable yeah. when you weren't at the hospital. Okay. Um, but so at one point we did get released with her. Um, and, you know, we had night nurses that would come so that I could actually sleep at night mm -hmm. because her, you know, at that point she was on a continuous feed. Okay. So the milk would have to be changed. She would have to get, you know, medications throughout the night mm -hmm. and um, IV and all of that stuff. And mm -hmm. so they would take care of that during okay. the night while... I tried to sleep. In this corporate housing at Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and so there was one day, and I, I don't remember the date. I probably blocked it out um, for good reason, but my sister was in town, and she was um, flying back home that day. She had come because Blake, my mom couldn't come. Blake was going to be gone for a bit of time, just somebody to help mm -hmm. bring me food and do mm -hmm. the laundry and those things that mm -hmm. need have to be done yeah. at some point. So she rode in the car with us to the hospital because we were going in there for clinic. And she was going to leave from there to head to the airport. And um, they, and Blake was flying in that same day too. Um, she had a little bit of a fever. And then um, one of the doctors had come in um, and just 
he was just talking to me like no just asking me about normal things and everything but all the while he was studying her and he could see that she was struggling to breathe okay so um this is what I'm yeah um, it's okay so they rush us up to the floor um I don't even know if we made it to the bone marrow transplant floor they basically yank her away from me mm-hmm. Blake was walking in the door Liza had already left to get to the airport and he comes in. I think his parents were fine in that same day, too. There was a lot going on that day. Um, and they kind of just shove us into this little room and say, wait here. And all looking back, like, later that day, like, you hear all the alarms going off and everything like that. Well, it was for her. All the code blues and everything like that. So um, she basically didn't have an airway. So they ended up doing an emergency trach. Mm. They had to resuscitate her. She had stopped breathing. Her heart had stopped everything. Mm. Um, So that was like another big trauma to her too, Mm -hmm. right? Because they're pressing on her chest Mm -hmm. to resuscitate her. And they, she comes back. She does. Um, So at that point, we're on the, we go to the, NICU? PICU? Mm, PICU. PICU. Yeah. And uh, and do you know, did she get an infection? Do they know what caused that? Not immediately. Okay. Not okay. immediately. Okay. Um. So they, you know, they give her medicine to keep her mm-hmm. asleep and still. Mm-hmm. Um, she's laying on like a cold blanket. Is it a cold blanket that they put them on? If they, um, I mean, sometimes I there's like the hugger, cold. a bear hugger, or a. I feel like they had her iced. Okay. Um, okay. But so she, you know, literally laid there for three whole days, okay. like. Um, with now with a tray. With a tray okay. on the ventilator. Totally on the ventilator. Totally on the ventilator. Okay. Um, and kind of in almost a coma. They a had coma her. state. Okay. Yes, totally. Okay. Um, and so. I think after like three days, they they started weaning the meds off um, and then gave her some time. And then they would, you know, would try to take the vent, pull it back a little bit, that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. it was, I mean, she was on that probably for 45 days, I want to say, the vent before she finally came off of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, all the while she's dealing with all the trauma of mm-hmm. um, them pushing on her chest and all the skin had completely come off of her chest. And, mm. um, and, and at this point, like, and in she's the end, not even done damage on the inside. Do y'all feel like, well, no, not necessarily. Okay. We, we okay. don't know. Okay. We don't know. Okay. Um, so, and why did, when you say she didn't have an airway, is that from EB? Yes. Okay. So that so, her type again, that had kind of, yes. They um. They never did any sort of scope on her mm-hmm. because it would have just destroyed it. The scope yeah. itself could have done it. So, yeah. go thinking back because she she had a voice at one point, like mm-hmm. she would coo and you know squeal and mm-hmm. get excited, and that kind of like diminished when we were in the hospital. I mean, she was still very happy, yeah, but her sound it got very like airy and raspy, yeah, and um. Obviously, this is before the trach. And so looking back, they think what happened was when they um, did the G-tube because they intubated her for that, that the intubation. Really? Um, 
Yeah. Yes. Affected her. So her vocal cords had fused together, mm. which then caused this like respiratory distress that Got she it. went into. Okay. Um. So it, you know, if they had, and for whatever reason, something made it worse. Um, and yeah, so that's where the, the whole respiratory, because everything else was, was totally normal Uh for, you know, what she was going through. But yeah. So then, you know, she was, I think we were, she was in on the ventilator for like 45 days before she got off. Okay. Um, again, like a whole nother open wound and that sort of thing. Um, Okay. So at that point, you know, they you're were s- now creeping up to her first birthday, right? Mm-hmm. Or past her first birthday? Not, no, but no, close, close, okay. close. Okay. So they ended up doing a booster because um, the at this point they felt like the bone marrow transplant wasn't taking. Okay. But in the past, they will do like one or two boosts. They call it. Uh-huh. So they give her like another smaller dosage of it. Okay. And most of the time it will help and it'll like kind of boost your whole system and make it start working again. So they did a second boost and, um, you know, you could just tell like it, it wasn't working. Um, and they knew that at this point, I mean, honestly, like if we hadn't have been in Minneapolis, she wouldn't have, she wouldn't have still she wouldn't have still been alive mm-hmm. because she would have gone into respiratory distress at some point yeah. over anything yeah. and, and probably would have died. But because we just happened to be in clinic at that moment when it happened, they saved her. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, you know, we had a discussion of what the plan was, you know, this isn't really going to work. Now it's just kind of like quality of life, that sort of thing. You can go back to Toronto because, you know, at the Sick Children's Hospital there, they have a bone marrow transplant floor. They'll keep following her. You can go into the clinic once a week to check in with them. You've got the EB clinic there as well, too. Um, So that's what we did. We took her back. And um, I think we went... She got admitted one time because we went in. She or I think just at home she got a fever, and so I called, and they were like, "You need to bring her in." So went in, got admitted for a few days, got released, um, and then I think it was it was two weeks after being home. She, I just I was just watching her. She was in her little swing, and she was just like just so agitated and she was trying to cry but she couldn't cry because she had you know she had Mm -hmm. a trach um again I was doing you know like suctioning her at home and everything like it was was just a whole lot of work yeah um she also had her first tooth coming through so I like called my sister and I'm like you know do you think that she's just like teething teething? like you think she's just uncomfortable because of that like she's never acted like this before and she was like yeah you know you probably just give her because I was able to give her Tylenol Uh just like any other regular baby and that sort of thing so I did and um I just uh, I looked at Blake and I was like I just there's just there's just just nothing yeah something's wrong something's wrong so we um his mom had been in town because he, she hadn't seen her at all since that Thanksgiving when mm. she was first born, um, 
And she left that day, and when he got home from taking her to the airport, I was like, we need to take her to the hospital. So we did. Um, We just went straight to the emergency room, and when we were in there, they immediately were going to hook her up to the vent. And Blake and I looked at each other, and we we were like, no, no, you can't do that to her. Um, And, you know, they all of these different doctors came in to talk to us about it because that's what they wanted to do. And and we said no. Like, we called the doctors in Minneapolis. We called her EP doctor. And, you know, they were like, just, it's time. We just knew it was time. Yeah. We were tired. She was She tired. was tired. Yeah. She was real tired. Yeah. So they made her comfortable. And it was. um In that emergency room. No, we, they, they ended up putting us in a room. Okay. Okay. They did. Once okay. we kind of made the decision and okay. everything. You know, we basically are just holding, like, oxygen up to her trach to help. Um, And they've, you know, given her medicine to help make her comfortable and that sort of thing. So it's just waiting, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, My sisters and my mom flew in town. Um, So everybody was able to kind of, y'all said, it's time. Yes. Okay. Yes. And um, I think it was, like, two or three days, honestly. And there were a couple of times, you know, because I was, like, laying in the hospital bed um, holding her and um, where I would fall asleep myself mm-hmm. and and everything would kind of, like, you know, her her heart rate would slow and everything and Blake would go and call somebody to come in. And it was, like, as soon as someone would walk in, I would wake up and then she would everything would come back. Wow. Um, and so finally um, Blake made me go and you know, lay in the actual, like, bed off to the side and and held her one night. And he said that, like, as soon as I fell asleep is when when she she stopped because she just knew that she couldn't do it when I was holding her. Mm -hmm. So they, everybody came in. It was, you know, in the middle of the night, Mm -hmm. like, late, late, late. Um, So, you know, everybody came in how many doctors have to come in and listen to the heart and everything like that. Um, and then you just walk out of the hospital. Yeah. Not a baby. So, and there we are living in another country. Yeah. Um, obviously, everybody came there, um, which is hard, too, because you just want to be by yourself. Yeah. And everybody's there really worried about you and... Um, just try to wake up every day. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. David always talks about that. Um, you know, you read all these books and you do all these things to prepare. And I mean, there's absolutely nothing that says what you do in that kind of situation. Yeah. You know, what are you supposed to do next? How are you supposed to, you know, there's nothing that says this is what you do or this is what's next or, and probably even just looking back and being like, what in the world? What, what just happened? Yeah. How did that, because she ended up being, how old was she when she passed? She um, passed on um, July 11th. Okay. And her birthday is August 16th. So she was right at 11 months. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, man. Um, And tell me what year that was. 2013. Okay. 2013. Mm -hmm. So she'd be... She would have ten turned 10 this, this year. Yeah. Okay. Which, that's just crazy. Yeah. Like, I have so many friends that have 10-year-olds. Yeah. That's what's 
that's what's hard. Like when mm-hmm. you see like a 10 year old in like living color yeah. and, and think, yeah, gosh, what, what would she be like? Yeah. Like what would she be doing? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we had a friend who had, um, a daughter born on the exact same day as Forrest. Um, and then we had another friend, um, who had a son born the day after Forrest and, um, I had a really, really hard time being around. The son didn't live in town, so I only saw pictures. But the daughter, I mean, went to church with us. Yeah. Like, I would see running around the nursery. And I just had such a hard time because it just was this, like, yeah, thinking about what. And for me, those, I think, big things that they don't tell you, you know, where you're like, when, when all that age starts kindergarten, you know, all that age turns 10 or, you know, those things were, were really hard. Um, you know, even this year, Forrest would have turned 15 and it was like just that permit and, you know, just these big seeing the things that, that Austin, who's only one year younger Mm -hmm. is doing and the conversations and the, you know, he's, he's a little man. I mean, it's yeah. not a kid that you're trying no. to like, I mean, I'm still trying to keep him alive, but it's not <laughs> like this toddler that you're like, don't touch this. Don't right. run across the street. You know, it's bigger issues and lifelong things that we're dealing with and, and just wondering so much, you know, I don't yeah. think that ever goes away. Yeah. What would they be like, you know, especially when you look at your other children too, and you see how different they are mm-hmm. and you parent them the same, Yeah. you know, they're in the same home and the same two parents and, um, but how different they are. And so you can't help but have those same yeah. thoughts. So do y'all do a service in Toronto for her? No. No. Okay. So, um, you know, it was all, Blake basically coordinated it all. But he um, he talked with Memphis Funeral Home here to okay. figure out, like, how do we, because, you know, you're yeah. transferring a body across yeah. countries. Yes. <laughs> I mean, wow. you're on the same continent yeah, you can yeah, drive yeah but there's a lot of different like legalities to okay, it so okay. he basically talked to memphis funeral home he they gave him the name of someone there in toronto um you know that also knew what to do um so he went and took care of everything there plus death certificates mm-hmm. i mean because she's she was an american citizen but she was also a canadian citizen as wow. well too so okay. you know um but blake basically okay. just coordinated all of that through okay. um memphis funeral home so okay. we um brought her here to yes. memphis um, yes. because okay. we were I do like remember we this can't yeah can't bury her in Canada like yeah we, we're only going to be there for three years uh-huh. and will we ever come back here type of a thing right like she needs to be somewhere where we can always because with his job obviously we've moved a lot yeah we went from Toronto to Dallas and now we're in London yeah so we needed her to be somewhere that we could always yeah she would always be with family yeah. and it would be a place that we would always go home to yeah that we would always be able to visit her at right so, okay um uh Blake's mom actually had plots that she and her mother um, had had for a long time over here at Memphis Funeral Home. So they gifted us one of them. Okay. Um, and so she is, is is buried here. So we did the okay. service here. It was yep. obviously weeks later. Yeah. Um, which, you know, 
draws it out even a little bit longer yeah. and that sort of thing. Um, I do remember now because I came to the get together after. Yes. David went yes. to, to the, the service, service. But you had said that you couldn't come. I couldn't do the service. I yes. Yes. Totally understand. Yes. But then I um, went. I felt like there was something at Blake's brother's house. It was at Blake's brother's house. Okay. Okay. Yes. I totally remember so now. So after okay. the service, they um, had like a little... Yeah, I don't even know what you would call it. Yes, it's not a reception or yeah, uh-huh. I don't know, family and friends over uh-huh. at his gathering, his um, brother's house. Okay, yeah, so, okay. Um, and you know, it was it. I don't know that you and I had ever really talked before mm-hmm. at that moment, but mm-hmm. it was like, <sighs> yeah, hey, okay, somebody that like knows and mm-hmm. can feel and everything mm-hmm. like that because. Um, Blake's best friend was also there, Josh Laner and his wife, and she was pregnant, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm, she's telling me how sorry she is. And I, I can't even look at her because mm-hmm. she's growing a baby in her belly, mm-hmm. you know, like a baby girl. Mm-hmm. And, um, so yeah, you know, you just kind of yeah wade through it yeah. to an extent. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's so hard to, I mean, I, I think the the thoughts and the feelings that came in of, of just those things of like, why, you know, even one of your dearest friends, like, why do they get a healthy, perfect baby? And we didn't. And, yeah. you know, just the, the whys, the questioning of why us, why her, why did she have to suffer? Why did she have to go through all that? Um, and I think, and then for y'all to also be in this place that, you obviously have not built any community at all because you right. were there such a short amount of time before she even was born. Mm-hmm. Um, so then you're there, and you're there another two years? Um, Like a year and a half. Okay. Yeah. Another year and a half. Um, year and a half. And, it, and we probably would should have been there longer, but Blake basically told them, we have we have to get out of here. Yeah. Like, we can't. We can't. We even... um moved out of our house mm. because we just couldn't yeah too hard it was just too hard to yeah. be there like yeah. we had this gigantic house yeah. and it was like empty yeah you know and he was still traveling all the time we got special permission from the company for me to get like a little part-time job at mm. anthropology because I, I was like I just I have to do something yeah. I have to yeah. get out of this house I have yeah. nothing to do yeah um because, where your whole life had revolved around her for a year I mean every I was, aspect I was of every mom, day I was nurse yeah. I was yeah. yeah I mean there wasn't like a moment of my day that it wasn't yeah accounted for about her yeah. you know and yeah. most of it was done at the like living in a hospital yeah. so I had like it sounds weird, but like yeah. those nurses were my friends. Oh, and the doc- 100%. Like, I couldn't wait for one specific doctor to come uh-huh. back because he was always so funny and, yeah. you know, that sort of thing. But like that well, was. Well, and they just knew awkward. your daughter. I mean, yeah. when so many people yeah. couldn't yeah. know her. I wasn't they... Leanna, I was Gracie's mom. Yeah. You know, like that's who I was. Yeah. Um, and then that was just gone. Yeah. All of it. Yeah. yeah. So y'all moved to Dallas. Okay. And, um, you know, obviously a a lifetime of us having to work through losing our children. Um, And um, y'all are in Dallas how many years? We were in Dallas seven years. Seven years. Okay. Uh And now we're in London. And then just a a couple things, just what are some things that you felt like were maybe helpful to your family, Um, whether during that 11 months maybe after um obviously y'all didn't know and that was one of my questions is eb ever diagnosed in the womb no 
Never. So no. there's no signs at all mm-hmm. that there's something going on in the womb to where they can know, like, we shouldn't vaginally no. deliver. Okay. So no. it's always once delivered. Yes. Okay. Um, okay. And, and it it's one of those, like, Blake and I are both carriers of this disease. So yeah. one of my parents, my mom or my dad, also has this one bad gene wow. in their body. And, and same as Blake's. Same with Blake. One, either his mom or his dad have it. And then also my sisters may or may not have it as well too. Or his brother may or may not have it as well. Um, there's there's a 25% chance with each pregnancy that the baby would actually have this disease. So With, with each, your pregnancies. Yes, yes, with my pregnancy. Your pregnancy because Blake okay. and I both, both have the gene. Okay. So the baby can either there's two chances for the baby just to be a carrier, just like Blake and I, completely normal, completely healthy, not a thing wrong with them. And then there's a chance for the baby not to have it at all. And then there's a chance for the baby to have the disease. So and each time would it be the the worst too? The Yes. It's always the same the same type. It yes. is. Okay. Yes. Okay. Because that's what you carry. That's you carry yes. that gene, that one mutation. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Because mm-hmm. there's uh, so others that have either the 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 they're all. I'm not saying in any ways, but one yes. is less severe, there, and then you have the yes. more, and then you have so like there's one that's called recessive, and there's recessive dystrophic, and the one that you hear most about, and the one that they're making the most strides with is recessive dystrophic EB, and these these people live well into their adult life and um I would say you know function in a more normal way I mean they're still very bandaged Mm -hmm. um but it doesn't affect their internal lining okay at all all external Mm -hmm. okay Mm -hmm. okay um so in Dallas y'all decide to move forward with a family yes and so We go down the route of IVF Mm -hmm. because you can test for the disease and the embryos. Um, And we talked with a couple of doctors, um, and we actually ended up using a doctor here in Memphis um, because he went to church with my dad and my sister, and he has twins that are um, in the same grade as one of my nieces. And so my sister was like, oh, my gosh, Dr. Brezina, like he Uh just— transferred here to memphis like he specializes in ivf and specifically like genetic testing in the i in the um, embryos and that sort of thing so um i talk with him and you know actually i think we even we started it before we even left canada because okay. blake was still traveling all the time and i came and i basically lived in sarah's like guest room for mm months at a time because I'm like I don't have anything to do here either you know um and it we so badly wanted a family Mm -hmm. um so we did like three rounds of of IVF and my body basically at first he said this is going to be a piece of cake because you got pregnant twice already and you had a healthy baby yeah Minus full the term. disease. You went, a yes. Full term you baby. carried a baby. Yep. Yes. Like yeah. this is going to be a piece of cake. Yeah. And they, so I start with all of the injections and all that stuff. And it's like, okay, nothing's happening. Wow. Nothing's happening. So we ended up doing, um, we only ended up doing like one retrieval and they got two eggs. Um, and they both fertilized. And so they, tested them and one came back with the disease and the other one came back inconclusive. Wow. 
And so I was like, well, we can't, yeah. we can't take the chance. We can't risk it. Yeah. Um, so they defrost it, tested again, and it um, was just a carrier. It didn't have the disease. Mm. So we do the transfer. And, you know, they had told us, too, like, the odds go down because it was thawed out a second time type of a thing. Um, again, all through the um, injections and everything, my uterine lining isn't getting thick enough. Like, mm. so we go through months and months and months of like back in Canada, like seeing doctors there and adding extra things to the protocols to see if we can get it thicker and you know make it last longer and everything. So we finally do the um, implant and it didn't take. Okay. Um, and so we just kind of were like, okay, what do we do now? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and so there was a couple of different options because uh, Dr. Brezina had thought he was like, you know, you obviously can get pregnant and you can get pregnant easily. Yeah. It's just whenever your body is ready to do it. So you could do like artificial insemination. Mm -hmm. And Blake was like, no way. Yeah. It's like all or none. Yeah. Right. Like there's no way like you can be the mom and I can't be the dad yeah. type of a thing. Yeah. Which I totally get. I mean, yeah. I, I couldn't imagine either. Right. Yeah. Um, so we, um, there was, I was working in Dallas, um, and there was a new girl that started. And so I was like, well, let's go to lunch one day. And so we're sitting there talking and she had lived in Dallas for a long time. And I was like, you know, I know this is like completely random and I don't know you at all, but like, do you know anybody that's adopted a child? And she was like, oh my gosh, two of my best friends. Um, and so we talk about it and she gets me her friend's phone number and I call this girl up and I'm like, I know you don't know me at yeah. all. And she was like, no, no, no. Like, I love talking about this. And she was like, I did all the research. I called every company there was. I read every book, every, everything. And this is the company that you have to use. And they're based out of Kansas City. Wow. So there's a, a an adoption agency based out of Fort Worth, Texas. Okay. But their average wait time is like three years or something crazy, yeah. crazy. And so um, I call this company in Kansas City. And I mean, it took it took a long time to get Blake on board because he was like, I just how I mean, you know, we looked at Gracie and she had your eyes and she had my lips. And how are we going to do that with another child that yeah. isn't going to have these? And I'm like, I think that this is the only way that we're going to be able to have a child. Yeah. You know, and from other people that I've talked to or seen, I mean, I, some of my good friends growing up were adopted, yeah. you know, his best friend, he was his parents' biological child, but his older sister was adopted. Mm -hmm. You would never know that they weren't biologically the same, yeah. like siblings yeah. and that sort of thing. So we, he gets on board, you know, and I, I think he's still just in the back of his mind was like, I just don't know, like, yeah. I'm going to love this child as much as I loved her. Yeah. Well, you're never going to love anybody as much as you loved her, uh -huh. right? Like, yeah. you're going to love them differently. Yeah. It's going to be different. Yeah. So we go through all the, the paperwork. I mean, it's a lot of paperwork. Yeah. Lots and lots of paperwork. Um, and then the home study process. And we got real lucky that we had our, um, I don't even know what you call them. Um, caseworker caseworker uh -huh. was like somebody just like you and I uh -huh. you know her parents literally lived in the same neighborhood as us mm. and so she was like okay I don't need to see that you're you have like running water or anything yeah. and um, literally all I need to know is like how many smoke detectors do you have in your house because I literally have to write a number in here yeah. but just so super nice um, 
the adoption agency like basically gives you one step at a time of like what to do. Yeah. Um, it's not just like throwing it all Yeah. You know. Uh-huh. Um, so we initially said we want we're going to wait for a girl. Mm-hmm. Like we we want a girl. That's mm-hmm. what we want. Um, and you know, a year passes, and we're literally like crying every Friday and Saturday night. You know, because mm-hmm. we're sitting there and we're having a glass of wine and like why can't why. Why isn't anybody picking us? Mm Because you do this whole profile, like pictures and a story about yourself. You do a video. Like we take different videos of ourselves and we, like our family took videos talking about us and everything. And they put this whole thing together and like, why wouldn't anybody want us to be like a parent, you know? Um, So we... We're sitting there talking. I think we were on vacation. I'm like, you know, maybe, maybe we should just like do what my niece says you get what you get and you don't throw a fit like maybe we should not specifically ask for a girl because that cuts your chances like in half again yeah Yeah. so we call up our specialist and we're like listen we're you know it's not that we're desperate but we think we're gonna try to be open to just any healthy baby yeah like that's just all we want um and so again months go by and still nothing nothing and we decide to write a story. It was it's coming up um in October, I think, is E B awareness month. Mm-hmm. So um we decide to like kind of tie our story because my sisters are like, just put it on social media. And yeah. you know, Blake's like, No, I don't want the entire world knowing about, you know, our yeah. lives in this way and that sort of thing. And I'm like, I don't know. Like we maybe that's how that's how it gets done these days everything's about social media you don't have to give specifics so we write a whole story about like Gracie and where we're at now and all that we've been through and you know maybe somebody knows somebody out there type of a thing um and my sister like her girl that does her hair is like oh my gosh my niece is pregnant and she read your story and wants to give you her baby. Uh, my sister is telling me, because Sarah's calling me every day, like, yeah. have you heard from the agency? And I'm like, no, nothing, nothing, nothing. Because they're not supposed to contact us at all, okay. right? Okay, um, because this Because we talked to our specialists and we're like, we're going to do this. And they were like, okay, everything has to go through the agency. Yeah, right, like, of it's, course. It's a process, you know. So finally Sarah's like, okay, so so-and-so's niece is pregnant she read your story and she wants you to have her baby and it's a girl and we're like oh my gosh so I called the specialist up I'm like she said that she's called y'all and like has done all the paperwork with y'all and why haven't you told us about her and she was like I you know I understand what you're telling me and everything she's like but it's a process and the things that you want that you have told me that you want it's not lining up with her it's not, she's not the one. She's mm. not the one. Like, she wants a very, very open adoption, mm. and that's not what you want. Yeah. And she wants to be a part of this baby's life. I don't even think that she's going to give the baby up. Wow. She's saying that's what she wants to do, but she was like, So they're really so protecting many, you in the they're end. They're very, yeah, yeah, totally protecting you. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, okay. She was like, but I can't tell you this right now for a fact, but I'm pretty sure pretty sure you're going to get a call soon mm-hmm. I'm like okay well what does that mean yeah <laughs> like, yeah soon like yeah. tomorrow or two months from now or yeah. two years from now 
So we just go about our lives. I go to work. Um, it's Valentine's Day, and, you know, a head boss is in town for something, and she takes us to, like, gives us this big fancy lunch or whatever, and I just got my new Apple Watch, and um, it's like, it, you know, dings me to breathe, and I'm like... <laughs> this thing is weird yeah like, why is it telling me to breathe because I'm like shoveling the food in my mouth well it's ringing and it says American adoptions on there and I can't answer because I'm sitting at this lunch with everybody because they don't know that I'm doing this I hadn't told all of them yet okay and, um so I sneak away and I call them and they're like somebody has chosen you and it's a baby boy and she's in Flint Michigan and, you know, we'll email you all the information, and you can talk to your husband about it, and that sort of thing. Well, of course, Blake is traveling, so mm -hmm. I sent it on to him, too, and we talked that night. And he's like, I just, you know, I don't know about a boy. I just really want a girl. And I was like, I understand that. I mean, I really want to have a girl at some point, too. Yeah. I was like, but maybe this is the way it should be, because then, you know, all of those baby clothes that we've saved like she's not this this baby will not be compared to her uh -huh. it, it it'll be totally different yeah. like he'll have his own clothes he'll have new nursery things yeah. like everything will be different because it's a boy it's a fresh start yeah. we won't be looking at him at the same way of like oh i wonder yeah you know so and and really you're only supposed to like take 24 hours to think about it and wow. tell them yes or no okay. type of a thing um we talked to the person. I was like, Blake's traveling. Like, we're not, like, face-to-face -face or whatever. So they gave us, like, an extra, like, 20 hours or something. Okay. Like, so he comes home. We sit there and we talk about it. And he's like, okay, let's let's do it. Let's mm -hmm. do it. So we're like, all right. Um, and so it's really weird. But she's like, I, my grandmother so wants to meet you. This is the birth mother. The birth mom's okay. grandmother wants to meet us. She doesn't care about meeting us or anything. But so we fly to Detroit, drive to Flint, Michigan, um, and go to lunch with the birth mom, her mom, and the grandmother um, and have lunch with them. And the grandmother does our, all of the talking. Wow. Um, and then we follow the mom and the birth mom. Or the mom and the grandmother, right? Because the other one's this great grandmother. Yeah. Um, to the hospital and do an ultrasound, um, and then we come home, and she was supposed to be due May Cinco de Mayo, so what May fifth, mm -hmm. May fifth or May sixth, May fifth. Yep. Uh -huh. Um, and so I go to work one day in April, April sixth. Well, actually, I don't even go to work. I like wake up. Blake's out of town. He's at the Masters, mm -hmm. Augusta. Um, and I wake up and I take my shower and go out to get my cup of coffee and I'll check my phone and have a missed call like at six o'clock that morning. I'm like, that's weird. So I listen to it and it's this, our specialist saying, um, so a little baby boy was born this morning. Um, you know, give me a call back whenever you get a chance. Wow. Like just real nonchalant, yeah. you know? So <laughs> I try calling her back and it's busy. It's like not even going to voicemail or anything. I try calling Blake. He doesn't pick up. I'm oh like, what gosh. in the world? Well, he was on the phone with her because when she didn't get oh. me, she called him. Yeah. Okay. And it's the first day of the Masters too because it was, I think, again, a Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so he was literally waiting for the car to pick him up. With If it had been any, like, a few minutes later, yeah, he would have been gone, and he wouldn't have had his phone yeah. either, right? Yeah. So 
um, he immediately calls me and he's like, oh my gosh, like, and, and we got to get there. Yeah. Um, so a storm had flown through the South that week or that night and there were no flights out of Georgia. There were no flights out of Texas to get uh. to Michigan. Um, so Blake's like, we can't get there till tomorrow. There's no, literally, there's not a single flight. And she was like, you have to get here today. The mom has already checked herself out of the hospital. Oh, my goodness. So he starts driving from Georgia to Michigan. Oh, my goodness. He's on the phone with his um, travel department. He's like, you've got to find me a flight. There's no way I can drive from here yeah. to Michigan. Like, you got to get me a flight. And so finally they find one out of um, Charlotte, I believe. And so he takes a detour and um, drives over there and gets there, like, right before the flight takes off and flies to um, Michigan. And he lands, and it's snowing in Detroit. So he drives in the snow to Flint and gets there, and it's like his baby, like, 100%. Like, I have, I've got pictures of us FaceTiming, so I couldn't get a flight till the next I day. I remember all this. This yes. is so crazy. So he's there. By himself. By himself. In this room with this baby. Yes. Well, he was just in the nursery because yeah. she okay. had checked herself out of the hospital, so we didn't even have a room to go into. Oh, my goodness. I know. So he's sitting there, and these nurses are, like, looking at him, like, what, what are you doing here? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And he's like, can I get a chair? Because I'm not leaving this baby. Yeah. <laughs> so I get there. You know, I take the first flight out the next morning, and I look like a crazy woman walking through the airports because I've got, like, a gigantic stroller, uh, um, car seat, uh -uh. You bags, have it all. like, bags of every baby thing that you possibly need. Uh -uh. I've got it all, and I'm, like, pushing it all, and everybody's like, where's the baby? Literally, <laughs> some man was like, where's the baby? And I'm like, I'm going to get him. Uh. going to get him. So I get there, hop in a rental car, get to the hospital, and there he is. Just oh. this perfect little baby. I mean, he was born for four weeks early, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, but totally healthy. Didn't need to stay. Didn't need to stay. No, I mean, he was, like, discharged the regular amount of time and everything. And then y'all had to stay a little bit, right? To... We did. We stayed almost, like, two weeks. That's what I thought, too. Yeah, okay, yeah. you have to stay in that state. Mm -hmm. Stay in that Just state. Just got, like, a Airbnb? Um corporate housing again okay corporate okay. apartment yep. okay so um, got a place stayed there place. Yeah. he left obviously flint and went to like this little cute little part just outside of detroit because okay. you just have to stay within the state okay okay um and yeah so come home to texas and and he's how old now um he's five and a half he's almost six wow Wow. So, yes. It's um, hard to like look at him and see those baby pictures and be like, where did the time go? I know. Where did the time I go? I know. And then fast forward, yes. we've been talking a long time, so we probably have to I go know. a little bit faster, but fast forward, y'all decide to adopt again. Yes. So the company, um, the adoption agency makes you wait and it, one year okay. before you can like resubmit everything again. Okay. Okay. So we knew, and, and again, we weren't like in a in a rush. Yeah. But we knew that it was going to take time, and we knew we wanted to wait for a girl this time. Yeah. So we get everything submitted. We update our home study again, and we don't think another thing about it. Literally, like I never once were like was like yeah. when is when are we going to get another baby? Yeah. And it was like a Sunday afternoon. I'd taken Hunter to a splash pad that morning. We, um, he had taken a nap and Blake had gotten him from upstairs and my phone rang. I was like walking to go get something and my phone rang and I kind of looked over and it was just like a number. It wasn't like American adoptions or anything. And, um, then I look a little closer and it says Kansas city. I'm like, that's weird. So I answer it and she's like, there was th this baby girl born, um, seven days ago. 
and they want you to be her mother. Um, so I'm going to send everything over to you. And um, I'm like, okay. And Blake's like, what in the world? And I'm like, I don't know. There's a baby. She's seven days old. She's in the hospital, like, waiting for us. Like, and where we was this her. baby? She's in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Okay. Yeah. So my mom was supposed to be coming to town, um, like, two days later anyway. So I call her, and I'm like, is there any way you can get here tomorrow? Because I have to fly to Wisconsin to go pick up a baby baby girl. And she's like, what in the oh world? Oh, my word. And so we didn't she tell came to be with else. Hunter. So she came to be with Hunter. Okay. She my stepdad. I literally, I took Hunter. So I got everything packed that afternoon. Um, my neighbor came over to help play with Hunter while I got everything packed and ready. And um, my mom got in late that night and the next morning because Hunter had just started school, like preschool. He had only been two weeks. I was like all these things, projects and stuff that I was like so excited to get done yeah. when he was at school for yeah. two days a week, yeah. you know. And um, so my mom comes and I take her with me to preschool to introduce her to the teacher to like, hey, this woman is going to be taking him home. Yeah, yeah. And I drop him off and I say goodbye and we leave and show back up two weeks later with this baby girl and his world was rocked. <laughs> I mean, literally I have a picture of him laying out on the floor uh-uh. while I'm holding a baby because he's like, what, what is, is she this? doing here? Yeah. When is she leaving? Because um, they're yeah, how far apart? Like, Almost two and a half years. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you have Hunter and Hannah. And Hannah. Okay. Uh-huh. And so about five and a half and three. three. Okay. Yes. Um, you are living in London. Living in London. And um, I know, you know, when you look back 11 years ago, you know, when you're finding out you're pregnant and you're so excited, I know this is not the way that you envisioned um and it's not the way that you envisioned your life would go um but I know that there's been beauty in that too um beauty in y'all's story and beauty in your strength and the strength of your marriage and just um even just you and Blake what y'all have been through and had to survive not only Gracie's medical story but even the those IVF struggles and the adoption struggles and um you are so strong. I don't know if you know how strong you really, really are um, in both of y'all. And just what a, a gift you are to Hannah and Hunter and um, how much they needed you as much as you needed yeah, them. And the beauty of just redemption in that as well, that um, you've got this beautiful family. And, um, and so much of that is just is Gracie, you yeah. know, Gracie's life 100%. and her showing you the mother you wanted to be and the mother you can be, the mother you were to her and knowing that the kind of mother you wanted to be moving forward too. And I think that's hard for some people to understand. I mean, we were very similar to y'all of, you know, losing force and just it being so clear to us that we wanted to, that, that we were called to be parents and whatever it took to be parents, you know, in, in some people's minds, you know, maybe we went too quickly and too fast, but for us, it's what we needed to do. Um, and so much of it was just an eye opener of, yeah, that was not the journey we wanted to be on. We never imagined having a child be that sick, you know, in, in the hospital is what it would be, but just how much that made us want to just be parents. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, thank you for sharing your story and yeah, your family story. And um, I know Gracie was just such a, a brave, strong, courageous little girl and um, what a gift she is to others. So thank you for being on. Thanks for having me.
Thank you for listening to our latest episode. We hope that this podcast is a resource for you and a source of support. Whether you are facing illness in your own family or want to walk beside other families dealing with childhood illness, we want the stories, wisdom, and knowledge shared to give you hope. Episodes will be released bi-weekly, so be sure to subscribe today.